you're listening to Feel Better, Be Better, a podcast that helps women like you understand your female body better, balance your hormones naturally, and develop a healthy mindset. I'm your host, Dinara. I'm a certified women's health coach and a TEDx speaker, and I'm on a mission to help you make sense of your health. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 everybody. I hope you are doing well. I'm excited to talk on this episode about the topic that is so near and dear to all of our hearts because this is something that we do on a daily basis. Every person in the world without exception. And that's sleep. And the reason that I wanted to talk about sleep is, well, first of all, I haven't actually discussed it yet, but, and it's such an important part of balanced hormones and health, but the really The thing that sort of really got me thinking about it is over the last sort of two, three weeks, the world has gone through a clock change. We changed the clocks in Europe and the clocks in America and Canada have been changed. And so is in many countries in the world. And funny enough, something I didn't know before, previously before I lived in Europe, is that Europe and America actually change their clock at different times. So for a week, America was sort of on the same time zone and the Europe moved their clock. And so all of my meetings were a complete mess. But this is just, I can only imagine how many people experience that inconvenience in the world. I still don't understand why do we change the weeks, but hey, it's a, I'm, I'm going on a tangent. But you've you experienced the change of the clocks, often what tends to happen is people usually feel very tired. And they just feel very exhausted. And it's always, it's this big change that you have to change your habits. Now you have to wake up at a different time, go to bed at a different time. And our bodies, they get used to a certain rhythm. And once we interrupt that rhythm quite often, there is a lot of disruptions and a lot of specific effects on our energy that tends to happen. So if you have experienced being more fatigued in maybe the last two weeks or so, that very well could be it. And another statistic I heard a little while back, sorry, I'm going on the tangent again, is apparently there's the most amount of car accidents that tend to happen when we change the clocks. And it's because people just so discombobulated, just things that just seem to happen at such a different time. So be extra careful whenever you change the clock, be extra cautious, I guess, just to make sure that you protecting yourself, but also preparing your body. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about a variety of ways that I have helped people fix their sleep, how the sleep changes with food, how does it change with menstrual cycle. So I think you're really going to get a lot of understanding of what sleep is and what actually happens in our bodies and why it's so important. One of the things that I've been noticing as well with my clients over the last couple of weeks is this general feeling of tiredness. And it's because of the weird sort of sleeping patterns that we've been changing plus the the days are getting darker and that's why I wanted to share with you some of the tips and also the importance and how you can really improve it so if you're somebody who struggles with sleep or maybe if you want to improve your sleep in general get comfortable because this is exactly what I'll be discussing today so sleep is one of the main pillars of health And for many years, we thought that sleep is just something we do because it gets dark. So many people for a while were sort of 
thinking that, okay, now it's dark, I gotta go to bed. And for a while there, people were wearing this fact that they can get by on the minimum hours of sleep as this badge of honor. It's like, oh, I can be more productive if I don't sleep. And the cycle of needing to be productive at the cost of our sleep and actually been completely debunked. And nowadays, our science has actually caught up to realize that sleep is something we need. And it's something that we, it's an absolute non-negotiable for having a healthy body. And sleep is actually nature's way of basically improving performance, both physical, cognitive, and also behavioral. And you are truly a better version of yourself when you have a good night's sleep. I know I definitely am. And also, important memories is what gets stored into our brain when we sleep. And unimportant memories get flushed out when we sleep. And if you miss sleep just for one night, your ability to remember and recall new information actually drops by 40%. Let me repeat this. Your ability to retain and recall new information drops by 40% when you miss just one night of sleep. And not only does sleep help us with memory, but it also strengthens our immunity and protects us from viruses. And overnight, we're basically able to strengthen our immunity and disease-fighting abilities when we get that good night's sleep. And you also, when you sleep, you produce growth hormones, which is, is, not, is, is basically is not just as important for growth. Like if you can imagine babies who sleep for a prolonged period of time, and that's how they grow. But it also, for us, for people that are more adult and sort of grown into their bodies, it helps us to repair damaged cells when we sleep. And it's the growth hormone that assists with that help. And the most important link with sleep is actually its link with our emotions. It's interestingly, when we don't get enough sleep, we find it more, we find ourselves being more short, more emotional. And it's because the stress hormones turn to low levels when we sleep. So people who actually don't sleep or people who have insomnia twice at the risk of developing anxiety and depression in the future, twice as likely when you don't get good night's sleep. But the good news is, is that just after one night of good sleep, you can completely change your perception of the world and it just helps you be more positive. And I certainly noticed that whenever I travel maybe between Canada and France and I miss on sleep, I just, I can get a bit down. I can get a bit almost depressed and just low. Things are not just, I just have a very negative, can can go sway towards the negative outlook on life. And then one night of sleep, I'm like, oh my goodness, thank goodness, life is wonderful. And I can just see in myself how it changes so quickly. So I'm sure for those of you that listen to this, you can exactly pinpoint a moment when you maybe didn't get a good night's sleep and you got a bit snappy with your partner and with your kids. And then once you got a good night's sleep, everything was lovely again. And in my experience, honestly, good night's sleep solves most problem. Because one of the reasons for that is because we become less overactive and our ability to think rationally goes away when we don't sleep away, when we don't sleep enough. And when we don't sleep, we also, our 
sort of sense of self-control goes away. We tend to crave more sugary, more fatty foods in order to make ourselves feel better, in order to sort of artificially raise our mood and energy when we don't get that sufficient amount of sleep. There was hundreds of studies done to show the, the risk of no sleep and specifically how it affects a variety of things. It affects obesity, diabetes, it can cause cognitive decline, and it's been linked to these particular diseases have been linked directly to the amount and also the quality of sleep that you get. So when we talk about the normal, what is the normal amount of sleep that you should get is the question that I get often. And on average, most of us need anywhere between seven to nine hours of sleep per night. And there's been thousands of studies done to support that this is exactly the number that we need in order to get an optimum health. So seven to nine hours, ask yourself, is this the number of hours of sleep that you're actually getting? I'm going to say that there is exceptions. There are very few people that can get by on little sleep. And some of the best ways that you know that you can get on little sleep is if you still feel very energetic, if you're choosing healthy food options, if you're not overreacting during the day, if essentially if you feel really good throughout your day on getting maybe less than seven hours of sleep, perhaps you're one of those exceptions. But from my experience with the women I worked with, I haven't met that. And usually women function better when we have that seven to nine hours mark. And if you struggle to stay awake, maybe if you're somebody who relies on caffeine and sugar to even get going, then the chances are you probably need more sleep and you probably need more quality sleep. Sometimes people ask me, can I get too much sleep if I just sleep for, I don't know, 12 hours? And sleeping too long can be either a sign of underlying things like depression or an underlying infection. And there isn't 100% clear risk if there is enough, in fact, risk associated with too much sleep. There, when I was looking at a variety of studies, I wasn't able to find anything that talks about it. So perhaps we don't know it, but most of the time, the too much per se, like 10, 12 hours of sleep has been linked to some sort of infection or maybe depression. So that's some of the reasons that you might be sleeping, that sometimes we might sleep a bit too much. And otherwise, if you're just sleeping, a very long time and you just tired, there's really not, not a significant risk to that. So sometimes the question that comes up is, okay, in the, during the week time, I have to, sometimes I go to bed a bit late and then I had to wake up early in order to make it to work. Can I make up on sleep on the weekends? And truly is, if you need a bit more on the weekend, that's if you need a little bit more sleep on the weekend, that's that's great. And if you can get a little bit of sleep on the weekend in order to kind of make up for throughout the week, waking up early, that's fine. But if you've been having four hours of sleep, let's say every single day, and you actually need eight hours to be able to function well, you can't actually catch up with just one night, one morning, sorry, of a Sunday, of a Sunday morning lay-in. Like it's just it's just mathematically doesn't work. So you can be cutting out your hours massively during the week and then trying to make up for it over the weekend. It's just simply not enough. So you want to be aiming for sleeping at least within seven to nine hours every single 
every single every single day. So sometimes what happens when you move your sleep by an hour over the course of 24 hours is your internal body clock that controls the sleep and wake cycles that we have can get quite confused and you actually can get what's called a social jet lag which basically describes these shifts that can cause the same symptoms as jet lag, which is why at the beginning when I mentioned the clock change and more accidents happening when we change the, the when we change this clock is because it does, it kind of like all of a sudden the entire world is jet lagged. Like that is a big, that is a, a big consequence that can be created. So it's definitely, if you're somebody that constantly shifting your hours more or less, you might feel a bit like groggy, especially I think sometimes I I can feel that on the Monday morning when you kind of just gone back and forth for a week on sleep. And then on Monday you wake up and you basically feel like jet lag, kind of like, where am I? What's happening? That, that can definitely happen. And the best thing to do is really just carve out an extra little bit more, maybe extra 20 minutes every day in order to be able to sleep, maybe change your alarm by 20 minutes if it's possible so you can get more sleep throughout the week because this way you will actually get better results and you will feel better in your body. So let's talk about what is it that you need to do in order to get a really good night of sleep. And to talk about that, let's go back to the pandemic time when we had a COVID pandemic and when we all had to be at home. What is one thing that none of us had? That's if you, anything like me, is a routine. All of a sudden, we used to wake up in the morning, get our breakfast, commute to work, get back after work, have dinner. Now we didn't have that routine. It sort of was free for all. It didn't matter when you went to bed, when you woke up, what was happening. So the routine is something that we really lacked. And which is the time during COVID, a lot of people began to report problems with sleepings because our clocks were all over the place, which created a lot of problems. And same goes for your sleep on a daily basis. The secret to having a really good night's sleep is basically having a routine, something consistent that you can do the same thing day in and day out in order to help and signal your body that you're preparing for bed. So often when we think about sleep, we really should start thinking about the beginning of the day. So waking up in the morning, staring at the light first thing, maybe doing some movement, make sure to have your coffee and sort of be done with having coffee before noon, 2 p.m. at the latest, not eating too late at night and getting into bed at the same time. When you do that, you create this internal clock and it means that your body will get better at anticipating sleep. And with that, you'll be able to fall asleep faster. And as a result, you'll have more energy as your body will be able to regulate itself. And if you have similar brain time, your body will begin to produce melatonin, which is a sleep hormone, which will signal to your brain that it's time to sleep. So naturally, if you go to bed at the same time, your body will start producing the melatonin around that time so you can doze right off into sleep. Some people that tend to struggle with that is shift workers. And if you're somebody who is a shift worker and maybe you work at night, you basically just need to do the same thing. And when you wake up, see if you can expose yourself to light as much as possible. 
And if you want to regulate sleep, you will want to get outside if you're a shift worker because natural light has an intensity that is thousands times greater than like, let's say, a light bulb inside the house. And if you're somebody who works from home, make sure that you sit by the window and always dim the light in the morning to sort of let your body know that it's winding down and it begins to produce its melatonin, its sleeping hormones, regulating your sleep and wake cycles. So I want to talk a little bit about the problem with the light and why it's so important to really dim the light is because you've got the blue light, which in your phone and in your computers and our TVs, and that blue light suppresses our melatonin. And also when we use our phones, and it can be quite stressful, and it's also very arousing to our brain because if, especially if you're somebody who is a little bit anxious already, and then you watch the phones before, before bed, you might be more and more likely in order to calm your anxiety, to get distracted and actually distracted and actually watch, be more on your phone because your brain is just craving more of that information, more of that distraction from your anxiety. And the more tired you get, the harder it is typically to switch off. So it's sort of this vicious cycle. And the, the phone doesn't really help your brain to relax. It keeps creating this aroused state rather than just allowing your body to sort of wane off naturally. So one of the things that you can start doing is to make a decision when you're going to switch off and maybe set an alarm or reminder on your phone an hour before you want to switch off and go to bed to remind yourself to start dimming the lights, to maybe turn off the TV, to go brush and wash your face, and then just switch things, start beginning to switch things off. And it'll also, with the reminder, it'll help you to do the same thing every single day. And this is actually the first thing that I do with my clients is I look at their routine, specifically sleep, as it's one of the main pillars of health. And I'm always very curious of what do they do first thing in the morning and also the last thing before they sleep. I see so many women with disrupted sleep. And when we work on this alone, just seeing what do they do when they wake up first thing in the morning and what do they do when they go to bed and we fix that, the changes from that alone are incredible. And some of you might be reading, might be using Kindle for reading books at night, which I do as well. And reading on Kindle, especially like a paperback versions is okay because there's no light. It's kind of like an actual paper. Yet reading on things like iPad can have a little bit of a different light that can still get through and keep you a little bit more awake, making it more difficult to fall asleep. But there's a caveat with like Kindle and electronic devices is the fact that there is a lot of links on it. So you know how you go into the Kindle and then it shows this is the book, this is what's recommended for you. And all of these links is putting your brain into a place of alertness and like, hello, it's time to think. So we kind of want to reduce that as much as possible. So if you are reading on Kindle, make sure that whichever book you're reading is already open. The pages are open and then you close it, lock it. And then when you get back to it at night, you, all you need to do is unlock it without clicking a bunch of links and making waking yourself up again. And another very important thing when you prepare for bed is it has to feel familiar. So you have to sort of have the same routine and have the same 
familiarity of events that you do in the evening in order for your brain to feel sort of safe and actually wind out to go to bed. And one of the things is that we humans and our brains hate the most is the unpredictability or uncertainty because those things tend to signal danger. And every single evening, if we switch from different sort of routines, if we I don't know, do drink wine until late in one day, then watch TV, then do work. If we're completely differently swapping our evening familiarity, it'll be that much more difficult to fall asleep. Which is why for those of you who have kids, you probably have your bedtime routine for your kids. There is bath, there is sleeping, there is nursing, whatever you do before you have sleep, but there is this routine. And you have to create the same thing for yourself because that's how your brain is used to functioning. And I kind of want to take us back for a moment to back to Corona pandemic. And one of the reasons people had such a difficult time sleeping is because of the amount of uncertainty that we had during this time, which really spiked the level of our stress hormones. So before sleep, it would be good to have a routine of two to three things that you like to do every night and then just repeat them. And your body, your brain, you'll, it'll get used to it and it'll know like, okay, signal, time to go to bed. And there are many of you that are listening who maybe use things like smartwatches or sleep trackers to highlight like how much you sleep and how deep you sleep are. And I know that those things have become really trendy over the last little while, which is why I think it's really important that I highlight some pros and cons for that. So with those sleepers and watch and trackers, it's really nice that it gives you the data sort of when you wake up, when you go to bed, how long you sleep. But yet something to keep in mind is that those trackers are really some of the best ones are only 40 to 60% accurate for when it comes to data about the stages of the sleep you get. And another thing that tends to happen with the trackers is that sometimes it can show the information or maybe it shows it with 40% of the accuracy. And that can naturally sprout the anxiety in us being like, oh my goodness, am I not getting enough sleep? And if you're already somebody who worries about sleep, adding anxiety of your tracker on top of it, guess what? You're not going to have a better sleep. There's actually a condition that's called orthosomnia, where you, it's basically when you get so obsessed about getting a good night's sleep that it's actually becoming to be difficult to get a good night's sleep. So something to make sure that you use, the, use it for tracking if you find it useful, but yet not get obsessed over it. And if you really want the data, sort of how long you sleep, you can use the good old-fashioned pen and paper, which will allow you to still give you the information you need, and it will definitely not be disrupting with any of your natural rhythm. And sort of you can also keep the diary in general, maybe of like, what did you think about? What, how did you feel before you went to bed? Did you feel energized or not when you wake up? Just documenting those sort of things when you work while you're working on trying to maybe understand the triggers behind your sleep, behind why you're not getting a deep sleep can be very, very useful. So let's talk about the next topic of light sleepers. So sometimes I get women who just say like, oh my gosh, I can wake up with like the tiniest of the noises. And they always ask me, does that mean I even sleep throughout the night? Does that mean I even get a good night's sleep? And the truth is we all sleep in cycles and the different cycles of our sleep, they get progressively deeper and deeper. 
And usually most of the trackers will give us sort of like the two to three stages of sleep. When actually, when we really, when you kind of start digging in through sleep science and get curious about it like I do, there is actually way more stages of sleep and stage of REM, REM sleep, which is rapid eye movement. And that is, it's more like five to six cycles of sleep that we actually have. So everyone will have this brief moments of wakefulness every time our cycle changes, which is about eight every 90 minutes between those sleep cycles. And sometimes these periods of wakefulness are so short that we don't even remember them. And when you get, but get those kind of wakefulness, for some of us, we do, which is might feel like we actually light sleeper when actually it was just this moment of wakefulness. <clears throat> and when you get super anxious over your sleep and you sort of wake up in the middle of the night, it can seem like this is something that, oh my gosh, I got to be, you become anxious over it. When actually it could be just the change between this, between these sleep cycles. And most people have more deep sleep in the first part of the night and more rapid eye movement sleep in the second half of their, of their sleep. And if you wake up within seconds, it doesn't necessarily mean that you had a very uninterrupted sleep. It doesn't really mean that you had a bad sleep. It simply just means that you were switching in between the different sleep cycles, at which point you're more likely to wake up. And sometimes people would ask, like, what can, I, what can I take in order to make my sleep better? And which is often brings up the question of melatonin when we struggle with sleep. And honestly, melatonin in different countries, you can buy it as like a vitamin in the shop. And in some countries, like in the UK, you actually have to get a prescription in order to have a melatonin. And melatonin, it is a powerful hormone. It's an antioxidant. And it's very powerful when it comes to regulating your sleep and waking cycles. However, it's not really good for sedation. So it's not really good for sort of like knocking you out. And in fact, the study that I was able to find is that it can increase sleep by about 20 minutes at most, but it's really not that much. So you want to be more focusing on your just sleep quality in general, worrying about this not worrying, but preparing yourself about the sleep from the morning by doing the right sets of habits in order to support your sleep. And one of the best things that I find works with my clients is actually through coaching and through doing thought work is to, we work on choosing the thoughts that are not, that are less negative when it comes to sleep, less anxious things, helping you to really wind down before sleep and able to calm your nervous system so you're actually able to wind right into sleep. That exercise has always been, those practices when I implement them, they always have been the most effective. And really, one of the biggest barriers is to, to good sleep is the thoughts about sleeping. So it's kind of like as you lay there and think, oh my gosh, am I not going to sleep? I'm not going to sleep. Like those things create thoughts of anxiety naturally making it pretty difficult to fall asleep. Another thing that often pops up is the CBD, and that CBD, CBD really works. And it hasn't actually had yet a lot of scientific research to confirm what happens, but there is a lot of anecdotal evidence from other people that tell me that it really helps. But I've also 
I've read in one of the science articles that in fact, even taking a placebo that tells you that it will help you with sleep can really help you with sleep. So whether CBD actually works magic, like it says, or whether it's because we have this ritual around CBD, we're ready to go to sleep, like that can also play a big part in why you're actually getting a really good sleep. And whether you're getting melatonin or you're taking CBD, just please make sure that whatever you're getting, it comes from a reliable sources because too much of certain dosing can really affect like the hormone receptors and actually in the long term makes things worse. I have to mention a little sort of a side note as well about the food and how food affects our sleep. There is a big part of dysregulated blood sugar and having this major wake-ups in the middle of the night with a lot of anxiety. And in the middle of the night, around 3 a.m., and they also confirm that through Chinese medicine, around 3 a.m. is when our liver does a lot of like internal cleansing. And if you're somebody that has an elevated blood sugar throughout the day, so if you're consuming a lot of processed foods, a lot of pastas, a lot of sweets, Coca-Colas, once your liver does its cleansing in the middle of the night, it'll sort of clear that blood sugar from your blood, sometimes dropping it so low that your body gets into panic and releases cortisol. So then you wake up suddenly with this anxious thoughts, cortisol racing through your veins. And often that happens because of blood sugar. And I've seen this time over and over with my clients is as soon as we change their diet and we focus on things that particularly balance our blood sugar, that's when we start seeing a lot of positive changes with their sleep. And also things like avoiding too much caffeine, especially after the 12 p.m. or 2 p.m. mark. And also there's some products that have caffeine in it that might not be directly coffee. Like for example, if you're somebody that enjoys your hot chocolate in the evening, like the coffee beans in hot chocolate, they actually have the coffee. So sometimes it can directly correlate to you being able difficulty sleeping. So I would opt in for things like herbal teas, chamomile teas, especially in the evening. And things like balanced meals, Mediterranean style diet is truly some of the best ways of supporting your sleep. So I wanted to mention a few things as far as when it comes to your cycle and how your menstrual cycle affects your sleep. So your sex hormones, your fluctuating estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, they have a big effect on sleep and our circadian rhythms or waking and wake and sleep cycles, which is why some women might begin to experience insomnia and trouble sleeping around times where those hormones fluctuate the most. Sometimes it's like around puberty, pregnancy, perimenopause, as women begin to see a lot of sleep changes just because of the they begin to produce high amounts of hormones at that time. Another thing is estrogen, which is the hormone that we produce a, a lot of through our reproductive years, but also primarily in the first half of our cycle. So after a period for about a week and estrogen helps us sleep, which is why your sleep can be really good from the week or two weeks after your period. And estrogen decreases the amount of time it takes to fall asleep. And it helps you also sleep longer. And it also helps your body temperature to be cooler at night, helping you sleep better, essentially. And in the second half of the cycle, when we have this progesterone hormone that's rising, it tends to increase our body temperature. And that affects overall how you, because you're naturally hotter in the middle of the night. 
so it can wake you up for that reason. But optimal progesterone levels in the second half of the cycle, when you have stable levels of progesterone, it have very anti-anxiety and sedative effects. Unfortunately, most women that I work with experience low progesterone. In my experience, more anxiety, mood swings, and irritability, which is why I definitely encourage you to work with someone who understands hormones, or you can work with me and you can schedule a consultation through the link in bio and I can tell you exactly how I work on helping, how I help women to improve their sleep, increase their progesterone levels, decrease their mood swings and irritability and actually feel calm throughout the entire cycle. And during our period, sometimes the sleep can also be disrupted because low levels of hormones like estrogen, progesterone, plus added cramping for some women, headaches, low mood can really significantly disrupt the sleep. And interestingly, the same can happen at ovulation because the temperature at ovulation increases by up to a degree, which can at the same time have this negative effect because if you're waking up in the morning just feeling in the middle of night or in the morning, just feeling very flushed out and hot, that can be quite, quite, quite challenging and disruptive to your sleep naturally. And I want to just highlight the fact that quality sleep is essential pillar of health and it affects quite literally every part of our life. Balanced hormones and individually targeted lifestyle changes can truly dramatically improve the sleep quality, how you feel and how you look in your body and how you go through your life, how you show up for yourself and others. So this episode has been packed with a lot of tips. If you need to listen to it again, please do. If you know of any women struggling with sleep, please send them this to them so they understand what is happening in their bodies and it always helps to spread the message. I'd like to thank you very much for tuning in, for listening. And if you have any questions or comments, please DM me directly, dinara.mukh on Instagram, because I always love to hear the feedback and always love to know the things that have resonated with you. Thank you very much. Until next time.